Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. The date is Wednesday, March 21st. And everything's bad. Most. Pretty, pretty up. Yeah, I think I'm willing to say everything's bad. It's not all bad because future Spartan foster lawyer won Mr. Basketball. Yeah, that's very true. Great. And he, and yeah, let's start with something light, lighthearted. Did you see the picture of the trophy? It's massive. It's unnecessarily large. But, like, where do I put that? Uh, it's, <laughs> no, it's like a piece of furniture. No, I know. Like you, it's your chair now. It's like the awkward couch that you can't quite get into and you have to put on a weird right. angle. <laughs> that thing and his house. His poor parents are like, just leave it in the garage. Like, you can't take that to school he's not gonna have it in his dorm i can't it's as big as his dorm you have to put it to i the, lived in those dorms you have it's to, as to, big as those dorms. you have to take a photo and just to show people yeah be like no we really do have this no it's cool it's mine it's like four feet tall all right that was fun but um you guys know why we're here and you know why we're down um for the third straight year michigan state has been eliminated from the ncaa tournament uh in the first weekend, um, oh, it, and you put yeah, it that way. That I mean, no, I ah. mean it's it's true. It's the third for the third straight season. Uh, MSU has failed to make the Sweet Sixteen, despite in two of those years being a top three seed. Um, the other year, it's, it's hard to hold 2016, 17 against them. Yeah. But um, you know, on either either side of that year, were were teams with super high expectations that have. Uh, have let a lot of people down. That's, and themselves. And themselves, most notably. Um, so, how did we get here? Uh, this past weekend started off innocently enough. Michigan State was able to beat uh, Bucknell by a score of only four, which didn't really tell the story of the game. Uh, on Friday, um, Bucknell made a bunch of crazy threes at the, game, at the end of the game after being down 16 with about three or four minutes left in the game. Yeah. Um, Zach Thomas was awesome. Yeah, well, as as has happened the entire season, um, the opposing team's best player had a great game. Now, I, I, honestly, if there's one theme from this year that I'm going to remember, it is that. MSU that, was completely unable to stop the opposing team's best player with the exception of Ethan Happ a couple times. Yeah. I mean, really, that's it. Did you get the feeling? I got that feeling watching that game, and I was thinking to myself, um, Man, 
similar Popovich is going to get tape of this and be oh, like, yeah. oh, I love this kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look you at him he, get buckets. He emailed him a G League scholarship. Sort of I mean? scholarship. A G League contract for future. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. That Bryn Forbes. That, that Bryn Forbes deal. That Jonathan Simmons deal. That dude yeah. just made some serious hundreds He's good, of man. dollars. So, yeah. <laughs> He just made rent money, dude. Um, he could hoop. Yeah, no, he was good. Um, he got thrown. He got disqualified from the game for following. Yeah, out. I mean, like that, a technical, right? That was beautiful. If you're gonna go out, go out big. No, um, that's the worst way to go yeah, out. That's actually true. Um, go out on your own terms. Yeah, like get yours. So uh, you know, MSU had a had a great game. It seemed like every shot was falling. Uh, it was, it was the good Michigan State, the Jekyll, uh, and then. Come Sunday, uh, Mr. Hyde showed up. Uh, MSU lost a maybe the the least enjoyable basketball game I have ever watched in my entire lifetime. Certainly that Michigan State's played in. Mm. Um, it, honestly, I was racking my brain for like a more painful game. The closest one I could remember, and this is how impactful it was on me. I think it was 2012 at Illinois. That one oh, that was God, like we yeah. lost forty to I remember that game forty one and it was like not a good time actually hard like <laughs> just get it tell me we lost I don't care right <laughs> I don't care sim to end please <laughs> yeah that this this was just just a just a terrible game to watch uh, for so many reasons, um, all of which, unfortunately, we will we will dive in into here in just a moment. Um, you you kind of knew this was going to be more of a grinder of a game. That's just the way Syracuse likes to play. Um, and unfortunately, I'd watched them play two games so far in this tournament, and it was you know very similar basketball. They they're not a talented team. I mean, there's a reason why they were the last at large bid to to make this tournament. Um, They've got a couple guards who can get their own, no question. Both of their big men are raw. Um, the foreman who had been having a nice tournament was didn't uh, Dolajai didn't do much in this game. At, you know, so the MSU dominated on the boards, um, absolutely dominated on the offensive glass, uh, and did all of the things that you know in the front court you expected them to do for the most part. But uh, as everybody knows at this point could not make a shot well <clears throat> put themselves into bad shots you know 37 attempts I, from three mm-hmm. that's then they weren't all uh wide open looks no eight of 37 from three it was a pretty interesting offensive strategy that i knew we were pretty committed to after the 35 minute mark when we yeah. were going to do the all <laughs> pass it around the arc for 25 seconds yep. and then Hey, whoever can get it Guess off. Guess we got to shoot. Time's out. It was, uh, you know, there are so many different aspects to this game that are all sort of equally disappointing. I think the first being that the team that has so many guys that shoot the ball well um, just was completely unable to sink anything. And not only wasn't able to sink anything, didn't even look confident. I mean, Cassius Winston was just throwing him up because he had to. McQuaid made one three-pointer, and it was the most insane three I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a complete half-court heave. Josh Langford, who looked great on Friday night, looked like you know that missing link that, that MSU's offense had been 
you know, he was the good, good Josh. And then good Josh just got as far away from the court as possible on, on Sunday. It was just really bad. Um, Miles, it was funny with Miles Bridges is you can tell when he's not feeling confident when he's shooting. His shot's not a natural stroke. It's very, it's very much in the wrist. And when you lose the feel for that shot, if you're a bit, if you're just a quick, if, if there's not a lot of that muscle memory that goes along with a more natural stroke, um, it, it shows. I mean, his balls were going, had way too much arc on them or were line drives and just were ugly. So I think first and foremost, the most disappointing thing is that despite all the other stuff we're about to get into, if this team makes one more three, if they go nine of 37, yeah. nine of 37, just that's insane. It's an, that's like a single, that's in the teens percentage wise. If I am good. No, I think that's bad. Maybe in the twenties. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Math, not my thing. Um, if they shoot, if, if they make one more three, this is not even a conversation. The conversation we're having is, can you believe how terrible that game was? Hey, guess what? We're going to have to be so, so, so much better against Duke. Instead, we're sitting here once again um, pondering the future. So, I, I mean, first and foremost, that to me is incredibly disappointing. <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, – shout out to Jim Beheim. I mean, bringing out that 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 exotic new defense that you could not have in any way known yeah. was going to happen. There weren't 30 years worth of, of film on that one. Um, that, that's what frustrated me. There's nothing So that's with, the next thing. That's, that's not um, – there's nothing wrong with having bad games. Like bad games happen. We we had Michigan State has had bad games this year. They actually won a couple of them and they lost a couple of them. They didn't not only have they not only had a bad game, but they had a bad game because they didn't have a plan. Yeah. I mean they, you can't there is no way you can tell me that what I saw on gosh, how many offensive possessions that was scripted. Yeah. Because if it was, then I'm telling you that we need a new coach, and I'm not telling you we need a new coach. I'm yeah. saying that that is just was odd. That mm-hmm. was weird. And and to say like, you know, we're gonna do this weird, um, make no adjustment through the game, none. Yeah. And and in fact, the only adjustment we made was to put a kid. And I'm going to go to bat for Ben Carter to put a kid in a bad position. Yeah. So you put a you put a kid who has um, hadn't played double digit minutes since November. Played 23 minutes in this game. You know, in a kid that and in those games, at what point has he proven? And now, granted, we only see a sliver. But like, where's that mid-range game where had I, you know, maybe he has it. I don't know. He didn't look like he wanted yeah. it. So, so I think oh, the what you're, what we're kind of getting at here is the next level of disappointment comes from the coaching staff. In that it seemed like they were just completely unprepared for this game. Again, this Syracuse has been playing the same zone for 30 years. Sure, they make little adjustments to it here and here, here and there. I'm sure Jim Beheim has adjusted things over the years. We know this team is is uh, has a long backcourt and some pogo stick centers, but this is all stuff that you knew f- from the first day of the season. Well, this team's the lost f- thirteen times. The f- exactly. Okay, so let's just not make any excuses. No, but and they play seven guys at absolute max. Yep. They played a walk on guard for the last six minutes of this game, who had played I think thirteen total minutes on the season, something like that, some crazy stat like that. 
And yet, MSU didn't attack him. They didn't, they didn't change what they were doing at all. And what they were doing was just passing the ball around the outside. And then one of their three guards, essentially two wings and a, and a point guard were shooting or they'd kick it to the middle, try to set a screen. Do you, you know how asinine it is to try to set a screen against a zone? Unless it's a, a flare screen. It, it never happened. Or, or no, it, it happened time and time again. It was never effective. Yeah. It doesn't, it, so that's just so frustrating. You've got a Hall of Fame coach who you've got a reasonably predictable, as predictable goes, op- opponent. And you've got an opponent that even even take away the fact that they're predictable. They have lost in this season 13 times. They have played two games in the last five days, in the last four days before this game. And you didn't – who was scouting this team? Who was supposed to be running the tape and saying, here's how we're going to beat this team. Here's how we're going to score on this team. Mm-hmm. If this is the best they came up with, fire somebody. Well, Demote somebody. Well, Take this responsibility away from that there person. There you go. Because – Don't – I mean, yeah. Because 37 – It's uh, pathetic. Three-point attempts. I just want to <clears throat> provide some context on that number. If you remember that game against Savannah State where Michigan State won by 50 or 60 – Remember that team? All they did was shoot threes. Yeah. So all they, they did, launched. That's yeah. it. Well, they led the country. Yeah. In three point attempts. Okay. That team averaged averaged forty plus forty threes a game. We did that. Right. That was our game plan. We did that. What we watched a team do to us. We did it. Right. How do you think that? I don't care how good of a shooting team you are. Why? Right, but and and that I think is is well. Let's talk about the next level of well. No, uh, let's get to it here. That was a season long thing. Another thing that bothers me about this is that MSU played. They allowed Syracuse to completely control this game Com- from from the opening tip. Yep. Completely controlled the game. MSU tried to get on the fast break once or twice. Cassius airmailed Nick Ward. And uh, I think, I don't even know how many fast break points they scored in this game. Couldn't be more than five. Couldn't be. All I know is, and I can look that up, but I'm not going to let that get in the way of being mad right now. Right. So, so, but this was not just a this a game issue. The themes of this season were MSU played whatever style their opponents wanted to play yep. pretty much since big 10 play started. Yep. They just played the way their opponents wanted to play. And 30 times they were talented enough to win. It's true. But when you finally put the, put the rubber to the road and had to play quality opponents with the exception of Purdue. Yep. One time. With, and MSU, by the way, kind of allowed them to play. They want the way they wanted to play the way they wanted to play. They but wanted tra- to pound the but ball. But trapped them in doing but tra- Right. Sort of, Purdue outsmarted themselves, in a way. MSU allowed teams to play the way they wanted to play all year. They allowed the best player on the opposing team to, generally speaking, play really well against them. And they just were able to out-talent and out-grind you because they're deeper with decent players. And that was never going to work in the tournament. No. It doesn't work that way. That's just... Ne- at some point, your identity can't be 
we're just better than everybody else at what they do best. It just, it's, that's not an identity. You can only chameleon, as you said earlier, you can only chameleon for so long. That's right. And that's disappointing on so many levels, not just because it seems like short-sighted coaching, but with this team of all teams, the level of talent, we've said it all year, this is the most talented team Izzo's ever had. And I stand by that. Yeah. I went high. I and I until another one comes along. Hopefully, one does. Uh, I will continue to stand by that. But it just feels and it it this the taste I'm I have in my mouth is that this is just such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you you and here's here's where it gets tough is you you start to question everything. Everything. Right? But um, I'm going to try and center it a bit. And and keep in mind that this is a coach, a head coach, that has out, overperformed, outperformed expectations year in and year out. And in recent memory, recency bias has us thinking, man, he just can't do it anymore. Well, he did it. Last year, he overperformed with that team. True. In a front court that, to no one's fault, no one could have, I don't care how deep you are, you two, your top two centers get hurt. Like, there's just nothing. Not much you can do. You can do nothing about that. And he, and he still made the tournament, still won a game. Won a game. Made it so, as far as this team did, which is sad. And, and this, lost to a higher seed, obviously, a one. And at the, in the same uh, breath, you can say... Um, you know, it looks like he underperformed a little. But the underperforming is because of what that guy brought this program well, to. He has raised expectations to a point that losing before the Sweet 16 is unacceptable. I mean, he's brought a team in as a two seed and lost in the first round to a 15 seed. Mm-hmm. And he brought a team in, and that team won the Big Ten tournament and was in the Big Ten title race until the very end. And then he had a team this year that won the Big Ten, uh, was in as a three seed, a sexy pick to win the whole thing, and again lo- loses to a double digit seed. I mean, and then he had a seven seed not four years ago, right? That, that goes to the, the final point. four. So I think you put it a good way before we started that he has done more with less many many times in his career, and I think that's why the legend. Is what it is, and the fact that's why he's a Hall of Fame coach. But it's fair to also say, at the same time, certainly in the past three years, that he is, and you know, other years as well, that he has done less with more. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team and the team two years ago. I mean, those are you have National Player of the Year candidates on both, and Denzel Valentine and Miles Bridges. Yeah. You have lottery picks multiple across those three teams. Or across those two teams. I mean, you have, I mean, Bryn Forbes is was leading the nation in three-point. You have the nation's leader in three-point percentage on both of those teams. Yep. You have senior front courts. You have, you know, just a lot of, you have stability in your coaching ranks. I mean, you you have a lot going for you. And to come up short in March is just, is just really disappointing. Now, um... I personally think, and we'll talk about the future of the program in just a bit, but I think anybody, and just to kind of quash it right now, I think calling for his head 
to say he should be fired, which you do see on Twitter from time to time, is is crazy talk. I think it's insane. Now, we will get to it in a moment where he, you, again, have the right as a fan and, and frankly as just as an alum to to hold his feet to the fire and to hold him responsible for and to to under like to express concern and to to be disappointed but to say that he should get fired about this is just is kind of crazy to me. Well yeah, he's the guy that brought basketball back. Yeah, he's why you're here. So let's let's just all slow down. Yeah. If anyone is feeling that way, happy to have a one-on-one conversation to talk you off the ledge on that yeah. one. Um, but, uh, we did see, you know, um, you know, the, the, the talking point we've all seen that Jaron and Nick didn't play. Yeah. And so that brings us to a question. I thought we might do a, a rank them. Okay. Let's rank them. Rank them. If you're new to the pod, it's where we rank them. Yeah. <laughs> Likeliest to return in 2018, 2019 from most likely to least likely, um, Nick Ward, Miles Bridges, or Jaron Jackson? You want me to go first? Yeah. All right. So I, I think the – first of all, this is an absolutely critical question going into next year. Mm-hmm. Changes um, everything. <laughs> it changes everything. Uh, I think the least likely to return is Miles Bridges. Um, I will qualify all of this in that I do see in some pipe dream of mine – I can spin zone a reason for all three of these guys to come back. I really can. And it's not that difficult. If Miles Bridges truly is the guy that is, you know, he's cited a lot of the reason why he came back this year is being because he cares about his legacy being because he wants to win a championship and he wants to be remembered as one of the Michigan state all time greats. I think it's fair right now to say that he is, I mean, I'll always remember how talented he was. I'll always remember the shot against Purdue. Yep. But, like, he didn't make a – if he does go pro, he didn't make a Sweet 16. Yeah. He won the Big Ten one year, but I think anybody who watched it knows it's not a great Big Ten. I mean, he didn't – his signature moment is that game against Purdue. They lost in the Big Ten tournament. You know, they never made the Big Ten tournament final. Like, it, his st- individual statistics and the dunk – dunks that he gave us and like the hope that he gave us and just he's a fantastic young man he will be an incredible ambassador for the university moving forward and i personally am so excited to watch him in the pros whenever that happens because i think he's going to be a very good nba player assuming his handles develop but on the other side of that like if he really cares about his legacy and if that is truly his sole motivation which i don't think it is um I can see a world in which this just sits so poorly with him that he wants to come back. Again, I put that at 90-10 he's leaving. I'm not – I mean, I'm even surprised I'm giving him 10%. But yeah. um, that's – I mean, again, if that matters to him, I don't know how he's able to to handle what just happened. Um, and he hasn't declared. That's true. But, again, I think he's almost definitely gone. The next for me in line is Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson, to me – should go pro. Mm-hmm. It's similar to Miles last year, only his ceiling is so much higher than Miles would ever be simply based on his physical gifts and based on the position he is about to play in the NBA. Like he's made for the NBA. A larger, 
Jaron Jackson, like a, a more filled out, older, more experienced Jaron Jackson, yep. is going to be a marvel in the NBA. We made the yeah. comparison earlier this season to Giannis. Oh, God. look at seriously, and yeah. say it again now. Look at pictures of Giannis when he came into the league, and look at pictures of him now. He's uh, he's morphed. He's yeah. like a super Saiyan now. And if Jaron Jackson makes a similar physical transition, you're talking about an insanely high ceiling player. Now, he is a ways from reaching that ceiling. Yes. Like, imagine him today. And somebody said this to me, and they're like, imagine him trying to guard an NBA big right now. It would not go well. Well, it didn't go well for Giannis, and it it took a minute for Anthony Davis to. Yeah, agreed. And I think ultimately that is why he goes pro. I mean, you're you're talking about being a top three pick at the worst top five, worst. Yeah. Um, and that is even higher than I think anybody would have said Bridges a year ago. You know, that, I think Bridges was a lotto pick, a top seven or eight pick in all likelihood. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking Jared Jackson is top three to five. Um, now, the reason I'll make for him potentially staying is that a, he absolutely has, has room to develop. And you, despite what people want to say about bridges, this is that his stats were similar from last year. Watch tape of him. He is an infinitely better player this year than he was a year ago. His jump shot was so much better. He, his handle was still not very tight, but like he was playing a totally different position and was still super effective. He was a much better defender, uh, a better facilitator, still never a great one. Yep. Um, and again, part of the reason he could come back is because he has a lot of room to improve with his handles. But um, Jaron still has room to grow. And he's not from – it's similar to Gary Harris. Yeah. It really, it's very similar to me because he doesn't – his family is not in need of money. His mother and father, like his dad played in the NBA. His, yeah. his mom is very successful. Like – yeah. They don't need money. And if he wants to, if he truly loves playing at Michigan State, which it seems like he does, he loves being a college student, similar to Miles, similar to Gary Harris, I can see a world in which he comes back. My final one, and then I'll let you talk, sorry, is uh, Nick Ward. Nick Ward, I think, is a a 70 to 80% chance he comes back. I think if he leaves for the NBA, he's crazy. He is not. He's he's not a shoe-in fit for today's NBA. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. he's a tough fit for today's NBA. It's accurate. A really mm-hmm. tough fit. Um, he has shown no offensive game outside of five feet. Uh, he is a fantastic player around the rim. But he's 6'9", maybe. Mm-hmm. He's not a fantastic – you've seen time and time again, he's not a great on-ball defender. Um, I think he could be a first-team All Big Ten, flirt with All-American status if he is able to. If he's able to stay on the court, and with the way next year's front court is looking, he would, whether Izzo wants to or not, probably play 20, 25 minutes, twenty-five minutes a game at least. Yep. Um, if he leaves, it's out of frustration, and I, frankly, I, I think that'd be an immature move, but I have a hard time blaming him. I mean. Yep. To be that talented, to shoot 70% from the field almost, yeah, uh, and to be openly acknowledged and everybody's saying, like, why is he not playing more? He doesn't, he's not a bad defender. He's not a liability by any stretch. He's a fantastic shot blocker. Why is he not playing more? Everybody's saying it. Like, if I'm him, I, I, I might get frustrated enough to go to Europe. 
and make some money and then try to make my way into the NBA in a couple of years. Um, I would understand. I would understand it. I don't think he should do that. I think he should ride it out in East Lansing because he's still got two years left. And even though this year is disappointing, he's got a chance to be a part of some really, really good teams moving forward. Um, so I think he's going to come back. I think people are kind of just freaking out right now in the immediate aftermath of that game. But um, there's a world in which they all leave. I think there's a much smaller – I think the chances are it's going to be just Ward. But I wouldn't rule out one or two of the others coming back either in, entirely. So what about you? I know I just kind of went on a rant there. but I feel better. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is therapeutic for everyone. Um, I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go Ward. He's coming back. His mother is not happy. He's not happy. Everyone's not happy. I got news for you, Nick. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, that's the other part. There's nowhere to go. And I I I, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to leave because you're just mad and angry and frustrated. You there's nowhere to go. And I and I say that not only because the NBA would say, um. Not only you can you not shoot free throws, you can't shoot from that far in a live situation. So, thank you. Right, we're, we're good. And secondly, um, I say yet, yet, you can't yet, do that yet. And secondly, um, if you want to transfer, um, you want to sit out of here. Nah, yeah, that's not happening. So, like, where are you gonna go? And and don't get me wrong, I would be frustrated too, but you ain't going anywhere. Two, uh, <clears throat> next person, um, Miles Bridges. Second likeliest to return? Second likeliest to return. Okay. Because um, a lot of the things that you mentioned, um, he, that's not to say that I think he's coming back. Because The reason I think he's second most likely is because, Jaron, if the freshest taste in your mouth is being benched and being told on the at the moment I get off the court that I'm a top five pick, but I couldn't make the top five guys on the court. Well, I think I know where I want to go. Right. I don't care how loyal and loving and how great all this was. I don't care how much money I have. I'm here to get better. And if I can get paid to get better, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to take my parents' money. I'm going to yeah. make my own money. I'm going to make, I'm going to do, I'm going to get stupid money to do cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. There's a big difference between um, not having to worry about how to pay for your uh, dinner. Yeah. And, and and going wherever you want in town. And setting yourself up to sign a huge contract at age 22 at the latest. And the reason that I think he's most likely because he doesn't have as much invested in the university as Miles does. Hmm? Miles is the face. Miles has been the face the last two years. Um, Jaron, you know he came he did great and he uh struggled with some many times he was on doing with foul trouble all year he never really found a rhythm um he's a great player he will be a great player i'm going to be proud to say that he went to michigan state Absolutely. when he becomes an nba all-star hopefully <laughs> you know so like I, I that's why i think miles bridges is more likely to return than he is still don't think miles is likely to return um that said um I, I want to jump, segue that into there being some serious ramifications for future blue chip recruits that are considering Michigan State. Yeah, like, I think that's a fair that's a fair concern, and that's not coming from 
me whose opinion doesn't matter. That's coming from um, Roy Williams, Matt Painter, Mike Krzyzewski, Bill Self, anyone that's recruiting for the same kids. Yeah. Tom will bench you. Here's the tape. I brought it. Right. Tom will bench the top five pick because he wants to do things the way he wants to do. That's what's going to happen. You come here, you do whatever you want. We'll start you. You play the whole game. You do whatever you want. We'll, we'll adjust to you. That's my, my pitch to you. Or go play with Tom. He's a great guy. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn how to become a man. But you're not going to get yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think in, in today's in the way that youth basketball works and, and the way that, you know, so many guys just see college basketball, at least for the time being with the current constructs as just, it's just a pit stop. Like I yep. just want to go get mine, especially these top, top notch guys. It's an audition. This yeah. is an audition. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I they think, I you think you're get, right. These kids don't get anything. We get to love that right. they win a championship. They get to love that they win a championship, but then they're gone. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, I mean, it's so disappointing in the, in the short term, just as fans to, to have watched a game and, and know how good Jaron Jackson is to know, to have seen the flashes, even if in fits and spurts to know you had a guy in Deontay Davis a few years back where you were like, damn, that guy's good. And he's proving it now in the NBA, by the way, mm-hmm. he's playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy's, this guy's and this guy it. is light years i mean it's not even comparable between the two who was the more ready for the nba it's not even a discussion it really is it's not and no one has made it one for good reason well Deontay got benched yeah it's another great point i mean the listen i said during the immediate aftermath of this game to to this point i mean if if i'm a five-star recruit at and it's it's disappointing because there are so many other five star recruits that MSU is in the mix for. And this is not to say that they will not come to East Lansing, mm-hmm. and that this is how Tom Izzo will always operate because he's he's listens to his critics to his to his. I'm just telling you the fuel. No, but I'm just saying the fuel that other people will give. If you are any, oh, you're one thousand percent right. And if he is, like I can see how a recruit would say, "Look, I'm not a point guard." That's the only position that he'll play a guy for 38 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. They're loaded up at point guard for the next three years. I'm, I'm not going. I get it. Like, I, I would, unfortunately, I don't think that's true across the board. I mean, you saw Miles Bridges played a ton the last – I mean, he was on the floor 35 minutes a night the last mm-hmm. two years. And you've seen in the past with five stars. I mean, Deontay Davis did play a ton, and he also had a senior at his exact same position – so at least there was some type of reasoning there, but like, it, it's a fair concern, and you have to wonder, like, you know, what, what does that mean? Is that something that is a, like we said, he's done more with less, but he's also done less with more. Do you think he cares that much? He might not, and you know what though, we have a group of kids coming in, none of which are five stars. No, none, none of which that really. Except for uh, Marcus Bingham late. Anyone mm-hmm. was really, truly, when I say anyone, I mean the Champions Classic guys. Right. Who were like, we got to get this guy all in on this guy. We didn't beat Duke to mm-hmm. get Foster Lawyer. Mm-hmm. I love Foster Lawyer. Oh, me too. He's going to be a great player. 
and Izzo can say to himself, maybe maybe this is how this is what right. we're going to do, and that's fine. Yeah, and and that's how he's won a that's lot. That's how he's won a lot with seniors, uh, some a sprinkle uh, of flash. Well, and, and and the other thing is that really outside of Kentucky and Duke, look around at the teams that are. Well, at least we're good during the regular season. This tournament has been so insane. You don't know what's going on. But, like, Kansas mm-hmm. is relying on its two seniors. Well, and they do Sveen both. Mihailik, and they mix in both. This year, they're, yeah. they're no freshmen. Right. This so is they, Dante Graham, the senior, that's doing it. True. But that their formula is? It's a mish, mishmash, mm-hmm. for right. sure. Um, so, that, you know, that's, that's last year. So, moving forward, like you said um, – you know, we're going to talk so much more about um, 2018 and, and 19, um, obviously, as the year kind of goes on here in the summer, goes on and football season goes on. And, you know, we'll obviously be bringing a lot more to the table here regarding these guys and we'll do some more in-depth dives. But um, I think at a macro level, I don't think it's unfair to say that 2018-19 is a big year. Yeah. Like it, it is – it's a really big year for the program. Yeah, and and I think they're in great shape. I do too. I just I but I really and it's crazy to think that to me there's just so much weight put on this program because if they underachieve again, if they didn't get to the Sweet 16 again, it becomes like an advanced stretch storyline start to gain momentum, start to talk about I don't know, it I personally am not going to put too much stock in that. Again, who you know, this year, um, you know, the guys that won't be on the team next year because of graduation are Schilling, Carter, and Tum Tum. Um, you got a really solid team, though. Yeah. Let's make the assumption for fun that Miles and Jaron go. It's a fair assumption. And Nick stays. Yeah, okay. it's still a very, very fun team. So you have, in a lot of ways, there are parts of it that are significantly better. Too deep than other ones. You have two capable scoring point guards. I, I, assuming Foster Lawyer is what he's supposed to be. I, and again, I want to take a second to talk about Tom Tom. I, I have to give him, you know, again, I know I've been as hard on him as anybody, especially this year. Um, you know, he, he never developed into an offensive threat. He seemed to actually sort of regress throughout his, his time, but he was a fantastic leader. The, the amount of points he was able to have right after the game it's on unreal. Sunday in perspective was incredible. I mean, it's that's unreal. He, he's going to be fantastic at whatever it is he decides to do uh, post-basketball. And frankly, if Izzo has not already made him a graduate assistant offer, he's insane. There's there's no reason he should leave East If that's what he wants to do, then yes. yes. Yeah. And if he wants to be crazy to let him out of East Lansing. Or if he wants to go, you know Be a motivational speaker. Be awesome literally anywhere in any other field, he will succeed at that. One hundred percent. Do that. Yes. However, moving forward to next year, I am not sure that the public at large people are going to understand or are currently understand what a massive difference having a backup point guard who is capable and and can be a it's a lazy comparison because he's also white but a drew neitzel-esque type of point guard i think you're going to see when neitzel was a freshman if you remember when he was a freshman with those chris hill uh and was it chris hill kelvin torbert teams um 
when he when they made that Final Four run, he was an instant, instant dynamo, instant spark off the bench that can keep things going when you cycle your your point guard out and a guy you can play alongside your point guard. That's true. Well, you know. So he's coming in, and that's a huge deal. Yeah, and then at the two spot, you'll have Josh and Matt back. Uh, the three, um, a person that we didn't play with all year, Kyle um, Aarons, who mm-hmm. maybe will probably start at the beginning of the year. We'll see. I mean, that, that's going to be interesting. You know, with um, three through five starting wise, is going to be interesting because you have uh, Aarons, you have Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, and then you have Marcus Bingham, Kenny Goins, and Thomas Kithier. And at the center position, it's Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman. So, if you, the front court, I think the back court being that four deep is going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, they're great. I mean, if Lang- Langford and, and McQuaid need to be more consistent, and and no jokes aside, a Connor George Senior can can spell minutes mm-hmm. for so you have five in the back. Yeah, he's a junior, right? He'll be a junior. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, where he are no. Yeah, yeah. It's, Capable minutes. You've seen guys like this is where guys like Mike Keebler, Keebler. have come along Thornton. in their career. Thornton have come along in their career to be contributors. I don't think it's and from everything we've read and heard about guys like Bubba Brown and Aaron Henry, those might be guys you can play at the two a little bit. But either way, pending injury, you have four guys you got to feel real good about mm-hmm. when it comes to Langford, McQuaid, Lawyer, and, and Cassius. Um, I think a huge part of this team's success next year will rest on Langford and McQuaid becoming more consistent mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a little more aggressive with the the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it comes to the front court, this is where things get interesting. I mean, if we're assuming Nick Ward comes back, his presence at the five is massive. Yeah. And having a backup in Xavier Tillman, who I will say, that's the only guy that I can point to on this team who got markedly better as the season went Absolutely. along. He, he pushed Gavin Schilling completely out of the rotation. That's right. 100% out of the rotation. And really until the tournament, Ben Carter never played. So, yep. which is a, such an insane sentence to say, but whatever. Um, he was damn good. He had 12 rebounds in, against Syracuse. He That five line, that's a nice five line. Doing okay. He's doing just fine. So, where it rests with this team is it, a lot's going to hinge on this freshman class. I don't think Thomas Kithier is going to play. I, I full, fully expect him to redshirt because he didn't play this year and he needed to develop during a senior year. Now that yeah. he played and he played with Foster Lawyer all year, he did to get to practice with him. He got to practice with a lawyer and a, uh, another kid who signed with Wisconsin, Kurt. Yeah, but to, to not play yeah. your senior year of high school is a big deal. Yep. Um, I would expect him to redshirt. Um, so you're really talking about Henry Brown and Aaron's somewhere at that swing three position. Um, you're going to need one of Henry and, and, and Brown to step up and you're going to need Aaron's to be consistent. Yep. A- and then at the four, um, you've got old steady Kenny Goins. I'll be shocked if he's not a starter yep. at, the Cro- beginning, at the beginning, at the beginning of, of next year. Yep. And then I think you have your biggest, absolutely your biggest wild card in Marcus Bingham. He is this kid is absolutely worth getting excited about. He's somewhere between Jaron Jackson and Adrian Payne in his style of game. He's not the uber fluid athlete that Jackson is, but um, he is he is less herky jerky than Payne, and definitely far, definitely farther along in his uh, development than Payne was. Um, I think that's the type of kid who a is is going to get minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just based on 
based on the depth, he's going to play. Uh, he can stroke it already. He's got a, he's actually a prettier looking jumper than Jaron. I don't know if you can expect the same type of effectiveness, but um, you're talking about a major X factor weak side shot blocker, like guy that can take this team from, Hey, this team, which I don't think it's unreasonable to expect this team to compete in the big time mm-hmm. at all. Of course not. But if he, he can take this team from competitive in the big 10 to like, that's a damn good team. Yeah. Competing with the top of the big well, 10. That's well, a big deal. Yeah. This team will compete and it it's different in that now well, not different. It's just, the start of the year will probably have uh, two two seniors and three juniors starting. What? Yeah. And then probably the, wow. towards the end of the year, you're going to start to maybe, like you mentioned, mix in, you know, just just Bingham take over. You know, just you know yeah. what happens here. Yeah, right. Right. You know, maybe a little some freshmen steal some minutes there yep. from Kyle Aaron's as well. You know, with a Gabe Brown or Aaron Henry. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. It could go a lot of different ways. I wouldn't even be surprised. I actually wouldn't be surprised at all. I kind of think if I can call my shot now here in March, your starting five, your starting five is going to be Cassius, Langford, McQuaid, Goins, and Ward. I can't imagine Kyle Aarons getting a starting nod over McQuaid when he's basically the same type of player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sure. And he's had a year off and I think Aaron's is kind of interchangeable between the two and the three but um I think you're gonna get a much more this season will remind you of past years where you look at at the beginning of the year really this year is kind of an anomaly where you sort of knew what this team was gonna be from the jump yep you're like and they were as good as they were ever gonna be pretty much from day one and that was one of the problems they didn't really get notably better although they were already very good mm-hmm. um next year you you have more of a ball of clay it's much more of a for better or for worse it's much more of a tom Izzo team it's like hey here's a bunch of pieces you've got a lot of experience mm-hmm. um we're not sure that the five guys you're going to start now are going to be your best five but you know we're going to let it we're going to we're going to see what happens and, and grow. you might end up with a couple a couple freshmen starting at the end of the year, but not not at the beginning. So, I, next team, next year's team won't come with the expectations, which in a weird way will be nice. I think next year's team will mirror this year's football team in in a lot of ways. Oh, interesting. Well, here's one thing to already get worried about: <laughs> is you look at this that team and you say, "Whose team is it? Mm. Is it Matt McQuaid's and Kenny oh, Goins's team?" God, well, they're the seniors. With Kyle Aarons. I know, but don't say that. Well, I mean, you got to or does Cassius Winston usurp them? It ha- say, it has to be Cassius well, Winston's team. And not only in in it has to in be his gameplay team. and but not the way you know walk, but is it in talk? Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. It, you know, I think best case scenario is it's Nick Ward's team. Okay. Actually, best case scenario is it's it's is it's Cassius and Nick Ward's team. Okay. I mean, those two I I mean you ideally you want your point guard to be yeah. your your dog yeah and I think you saw it all year when Cassius goes so goes this team and I think his impact will be even greater a year from now yeah because he's gonna other guys are gonna need more help um, Nick Ward I want it to be his team because I want him to be involved and I want him to 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 be that dog that guy who plays you know you heard the players we're talking about yes you need him to play twenty five minutes at least a night yep maybe more well and I think he can. 
He absolutely can. So, so we'll see. Um, so we were talking about some of those newcomers. I'm going to give you an update on where they're at right now. And yeah, we'll end on, a, end on a high note. Yeah. You got um, a foster lawyer, Mr. Basketball, uh, Clarkston advanced uh, tonight. They are in the, going to be at, playing at Breslin on uh, the state semifinals. So go uh, support him. Go, go see him play. Uh, unfortunately, um, Gabe Brown's Belleville squad lost at the buzzer tonight. No, not just Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown, Davion Williams, and Julian Barnett. Isn't Julian Barnett on that team, too? I, I don't know if he's on there, too, but man. Loaded. The Belleville Spartans. And they took... And Devontae Dobbs. <laughs> yeah, they lost uh, a buzzer beater tonight in the quarters. Um, Class B, if you just like basketball, and oh, you're in yeah. the East Lansing area, uh, tonight... New Haven and Ugh. Romeo Weems, who's a junior. Lil Romeo Weems. Lil Romeo. He's a junior with Michigan State and Michigan Offers, uh, yeah. among others. Um, those are in the league. Um, and he's going to be going up uh, against, I believe, Catholic Central, Grand Rapids Catholic Central's Marcus Bingham, who just advanced tonight. So if you want to get an up close. If you want to watch A, Marcus Bingham, but B, you want to see the type of player we're talking about that Michigan State needs and has not had in a long time, go watch Romeo Weems. That dude will get his own and does everything. He gets buckets. This is a guy that um, a couple games ago against against, uh, Detroit Country Day. Country Day. Now that, if you're unfamiliar with Michigan high school basketball, that's – one of the best basketball and athletic programs in the state. That produced, Good players have gone there. Produced Chris Weber and Shane Battier, among others. So uh, he, Romeo, I uh, believe, put up almost a quintuple double. Quintuple. That's five. That's five. That's he was, pretty good. I believe he was uh, three steals short. That's insane. Against, again, this was not Little Sisters of the Poor. This right. was... Um, Pretty good the big team. boy. So, uh, yeah, get I would I enjoy that game if you can, and um, you know I'll be keeping you updated on the twitter.com um, as as the high school games advance. Um, one outside of the Michigan realm uh, recruit, uh, Aaron Henry, he goes to Ben Davis High School in Indiana. They lost in the Sweet Sixteen by two to uh, undefeated Warren Central, who is top ten in the uh, country. Warren Central weirdly um, doesn't have any like five stars or four stars. Yeah, no, their best player is uh, a wide five star wide receiver. Uh, I can't remember his name. Wow, you're the football guy. Yeah, sh- um, shoot, that's my fault. But yeah, um, is it St. Brown? Is it Amon Ross St. Brown? I don't. God, I, I hope it is. I don't know, but uh, Foster lawyer, the the we talked about for Clarkston. This kid, if you can go see him play as well, this guy um, averages 26 points a game, six assists, three and a half rebounds, four steals, 90 plus percent from free throw. He's over 2,200 uh, career points, and um, you know after his semifinal game may pass uh, Dane, Coach Dane Fife for the all-time scoring leader at Clarkston, which would also be the 11th highest in Michigan high school history. So he's good. Well. As Dane would say, beat the school record first, dude. <laughs> so um, it it a lot of positive outcomes from the newcomers coming in. Um, still some games to be played, um, and it, you know, a lot a lot of positives. Although you yeah, kind of ended it with a sour. Next year, certainly a lot of fun new faces uh, coming in. So um, 
I think that does it for us for for this edi this edition. Obviously, we're we're entering, uh, unfortunately, kind of the dead period of collegiate athletics, uh, at least until the fall or August. Um, John and I will come to you again here in a couple of weeks to to cover the MSU spring football game. We'll 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 definitely um, we'll try to do a before sort of a preview. I'll be treating it like an actual game. Oh, yeah. Tailgating I, and all. And I will be taking a team and you will be taking the other yep, team. I love it. And then we'll uh, – so we'll do a preview and a recap of that. Um, and then, you know, throughout the summer it will probably be a little more periodic every other week, every three weeks or so. We'll, we'll bring you some recruiting updates, cover the main, you know big Michigan State storylines, and, and come to you whenever any type of big news uh, on or off the field breaks. But um, uh, for John – I, you know, I just, I'll speak for us both, but feel free to jump in here. Just thank you to everybody yeah. who's listened to us. This is our, our first, you know, year together as a, as a podcast duo, first football and basketball season. And, um, hey, you guys have been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And let us know, um, how we can make it yeah. even better for you. Yeah. And I think this summer, what we'll try to do more of is, you know, we might just, uh, just get kind of loopy. And just get like a little, just get sort of weird and like come up with weird, like overarching takes. Maybe it's not as, as much like the analysis of each game and, and things like that, but just some more, um, like your favorite players, things like that. We'll do, try to do some more interviews, um, bring on some of the other writers from TOC more often, like we do with Matt Happner the one time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. This is just year one, so we're going to keep going. Sad way to go out, but we're just getting started. Yeah, but again, thanks to everybody uh, for listening, not only to this episode, but to, to every episode of The Only Podcast. For my, my co-host, John Kirby, this has been uh, Austin Smith. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Only Podcast, and we will catch you guys soon. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.